0: For quite some time, actually, the left has been arguing that Donald Trump was preparing to stage a coup, like a coup, like an actual coup d'etat to seize control of the government. Now, an actual coup d'etat would be like the Marines running in surrounding the White House and then Trump saying, I am now Supreme Chancellor or I am not vacating the premises or something like that. And that's just not going to happen. So I guess a coup in the classical sense probably won't happen. That's probably why the left is not arguing he's going to do that. Well, they weren't. We'll get to that in a second. They were saying that Trump's legal efforts to challenge the election in many states was tantamount to a coup. Call it what it is. They've actually been saying it's a coup before the election even happened. Going months, months uh, uh, back, they were like, just make everyone needs to know what Trump is doing is staging a coup. And it's like, we haven't, have enough, we haven't even had the election calm down. Trump is calling for a recount in certain districts in Wisconsin, and that's his legal right. And we haven't certified every state and the electors haven't voted yet. So why are they calling it a coup? Well, the left is finally getting their actual opportunity to insinuate a real coup may be happening because recently Donald Trump purged top officials from the Pentagon and installed loyalists fans of his. And immediately we saw an article pop up in The Guardian. We've seen the calls previously. Is Trump planning a coup? Now we actually have something very interesting from the Department of Defense. Quote, I am here today to announce that I have directed the special operations civilian leadership to report directly to me instead of through the current bureaucratic channels. Acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Donald Trump purged top civilian leadership at the Department of Defense, installed people who are loyal to him. And now they're consolidating power. Yes. Now the leftists are going, wait a minute. Is this an actual coup? I don't know if it is or not, but I will say something feels off about everything. You know what I mean? Kamala Harris didn't resign. My understanding is she hasn't she hasn't resigned her Senate seat yet. There's a lot of reasons for this. Maybe she's not entirely convinced she's going to end up being the vice president. So she's not resigning. Or maybe she's worried the Republicans might pull some last minute lame duck session and she wants to be able to vote on it, which in my opinion doesn't make sense because the Republicans still have the majority. They can vote on what they want to vote on. It doesn't matter if she's there or not for the most part, but she's not resigning. And Trump is buying a lot of time for something. He keeps filing lawsuits. He's now calling for a recount. And it does seem, look, I'm not just reading the mainstream media. I'm fact checking this stuff. And it really does seem like Trump is buying time for something. The other day we saw in Wayne County, where Detroit is, the Republicans on the certification board said they wouldn't do it. They then got harassed by many leftists and then ultimately agreed, we'll certify the results if you do an audit, which the secretary of state said, "Okay." And I started to realize Maybe Trump's lawsuits are really just about buying time until the certification process where Republicans might actually challenge the the, the results, citing fraud or irregularities of which there is evidence. And then Joe Biden doesn't win. I don't know for sure, but maybe that's the real play. Would that be a coup? Not really. It would just be the legal process by which this country is supposed to function. If we cannot certify the results for political reasons, surprise, surprise, it falls to one of the contingencies, notably a contingent election. But I want to look at what the left has been saying. And I actually want to take this seriously. I think there's a, a legitimate and good reason as to why there's a consolidation of power in the Department of Defense in Trump's lame duck session, assuming he doesn't actually win. But the left is certainly terrified that this consolidation of power would will, will, will result with Trump calling in the military, surrounding the White House or something and saying, I'm in charge and I'm not leaving. And there are a lot of things that are interesting about this. But let's read the news before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. But the best thing you can do is share this video. Let's take a critical look at Donald Trump staging a coup and what might actually happen. We don't know. I don't know. We're uh, just a a little bit under a month out from the actual electoral college certification. Certainly many leftists are not convinced Trump is just going to walk away. And they haven't been. I mean, Michael Moore has been saying it. So let's take a look at what they've been saying, the actual evidence for what's going on and how people feel about this. Because surprise, according to a poll, which I'm not sure I trust polls at all, more than half of Republicans think Trump did win. So there's the challenge. If many people are saying on the left, Trump is staging a coup. Many people on the right are saying Biden stealing the election or fraud or whatever was them staging a coup. And then you have two factions who believe they're right, right? I wonder how it will all play out. So we'll take a look at what they're saying. Share the video if you want to help support the channel. And if you think people should hear this and don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And the first thing I'll show you is this from The New York Times. They say Trump stacks the Pentagon and intelligence agencies with loyalists to what end? So far, there is no evidence the appointees harbor a secret agenda or arrived with an action plan. But their sudden appearance amounts to a purge of the Pentagon's top civilian hierarchy without recent precedent. Why would Donald Trump be doing this? They say President Trump's abrupt installation of a group of hardline loyalists in his senior jobs at the Pentagon has elevated officials who have pushed for more aggressive actions against Iran. And for imminent withdrawal of all American forces from Afghanistan over the objections of the military, Mr. Trump made the appointments of four top Pentagon officials, including a new acting defense secretary this week, leaving civilian and military officials to interpret whether this indicated a change in approach in the final two months of his presidency. At the same time, Mr. Trump named Michael Ellis as a general counsel at the National Security Agency over the objections of Director General Paul M. Nakasone. There is no evidence so far that these new appointees harbor a secret agenda on Iran or have taken up their post with an action plan in hand. But their sudden appearance has been a purge of the Pentagon's top civilian hierarchy without recent precedent. I honestly have to say it's very interesting. Now, the simple approach, I think the simple solution is that before Trump leaves, he wants to accomplish certain goals, getting us out of Afghanistan. That's the stated reason for the consolidation of power. For the for the most part, because it's it's actually pretty crazy. Uh, a U.S. official lied to Trump about the number of people overseas, a uh, number of troops in, in Syria, to maintain those numbers. And that, my friends, is is more akin to a coup than anything Trump may have done. But it doesn't mean that's all that's going to happen. They say. Administration officials said the appointments were partly about Afghanistan, where the president has been frustrated by what he sees as a military moving too slowly to fulfill his promise that all American troops will be home by Christmas. The Pentagon announced on Wednesday that Douglas McGregor, a retired Army colonel and fierce proponent of ending American involvement in Afghanistan, would serve as a senior advisor. But well, what has the left have been saying? Here's Ezra Klein from Vox, and we'll loop back to the Afghanistan and the Department of Defense. This is from November 7th. Trump is attempting a coup in plain sight. (gasps) I wonder how many Trump supporters are going, yes. And I wonder how many regular people are going, "Uh uh-huh, because calm down. The left has been screeching forever. If Donald Trump finds a way through the legal process to become president, it is not a coup. If after all of the constitutional processes have been tried and it ultimately results in everyone agreeing from the courts to the certifications, Joe Biden has won and then Trump goes, no, then you have a coup. But if the electors certify Trump, if the constitutional process results in a contingent election or states get disqualified or lawsuits flip votes, that's just the legal process. They don't want to admit it, though. They're like, Trump is holding up the transition process. No, he isn't, because no one's been certified. For too long in this country, the media dictated when an election was over. Trump ain't playing that game. Well, let's see what a little little bit about what Ezra Klein has to say. He says, how do we cover it when it's happening here? It's happening. Oh, no. He says, a few years ago, there was a boom of articles called, if it happened there imagining how the American press would cover this or that story if it happened in another country. How would we cover the government shutdown if it happened in another country? The Ferguson protests, the Oregon militia siege, George Floyd's killing, Mike Bloomberg, Slate's Joshua Keating popularized the form, but other outlets, including Vox, have deployed it. The intent was to use the tropes of foreign coverage to create a sense of what the literary critic Darko Suvin called cognitive estrangement severing us from the familiarity and overconfidence that can dull our awareness of extraordinary events. And you'd get leads like, quote, the pleasant autumn weather disguises a government teetering on the brink because at midnight Monday night, the government uh, of this intensely proud and nationalistic people will shut down a drastic sign of political dysfunction in this moribund republic. I love that word moribund. It means like basically on your deathbed. But I don't think it applies. And that actually shows us something interesting. The media sensationalizes anything when they can get away with it. If they had the opportunity to write about a foreign country in such shocking and sensational terms, they would because you don't know anything about that place. But here in the US, you would be hard pressed to convince someone that this this republic is moribund. And every time I've brought up that other people have said we are in a civil war or even my opinions on this, they say, oh, Tim, you're exaggerating really now. But hey, it could happen here. I don't mean to sensationalize or anything like that. I always try to, like, you know, calm and be be calm and rational on these issues. But it shows you how the media really operates, doesn't it? Ezra says, the slight air of parody lent the whole enterprise a sense of unreality. America isn't a banana republic. It wasn't happening there. It was happening here. And that made all the difference. In the past four years, the past four days have proven anything It's that we are not as different as we believed. He says Donald Trump is trying to discredit an election he is losing. Joe Biden has won the presidency, but the current president of the United States, Donald Trump, is attempting a coup in plain sight. I won this election by a lot, he tweeted. This came after he demanded that states cease counting votes when the total began to turn against him after his press secretary shocked Fox News anchors by arguing that legally cast votes should be thrown out. The Trump administration's current strategy is to go to court and try and get votes for Biden ruled illegitimate. And that strategy explicitly rests on Trump's appointees honoring debt, uh, honoring a debt the administration, at least believes they owe. One of his legal advisors said, we're waiting for the United States Supreme Court, of which the president has nominated three justices to step in and do something. And hopefully Amy Coney Barrett will come through. If that fails, and it will, Mark Levin, one of the nation's most popular conservative hosts, is explicitly calling on Republican legislatures to reject the election results and seat Donald Trump as president anyway. After Twitter tagged the tweet as contested, Trump's press secretary weighed in furiously on Levin's behalf. Then we got this story Wednesday. Wow, they updated this today. That's impressive. Can Trump actually stage a coup and stay in office for a second term, they really believe it's coming. They say the president refuses to acknowledge Biden's win, but experts say there is no constitutional path forward for him to remain in the White House. That's just not true. There is. First of all, the Supreme Court ruled earlier this year, the state legislators determine who the electors have to vote for, and they could absolutely instruct the electors to vote for Donald Trump. There's no faithless electors this time around. They've said it's up to the states. Now, most states have said you have to vote for whoever won the popular vote in the state. But what if the state can't certify for some reason? There is a constitutional path forward. They're just ignoring it. They say there are worries the president and other Republicans will make every effort to stay in power. There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. Mike Pompeo, the secretary of state, said last week, William Barr, the attorney general, has also also. Authorized federal prosecutors to begin to investigate election irregularities, a move that prompted the head of the Justice Department's election crimes unit to step down from his position. On Tuesday, Trump fired Christopher Krebs, the director of the federal agency that vouched for the reliability of the 2020 election and had pushed back on the president's baseless claims of voter fraud. Yet despite all of Trump's machinations, it is extremely unlikely he can find a way to stay in power or stage a coup. Here's one reason why they say. Trump refuses to accept Joe Biden won the presidential election. Is there a constitutional path for him to stage a coup and stay in office for another term? Not really. The Electoral College meets on December 14th to cast its vote for president, and nearly every state uses a statewide popular vote to allocate its electors. Biden is projected to win far more than the 270 electoral votes he needs to become president. His victory doesn't hinge on one state. He has probably insurmountable leads in Michigan, Nevada, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Arizona. There is a long shot legal theory floated by Republicans before the election that Republican friendly legislatures in places such as Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania could ignore the popular vote in their states and appoint their own electors. Federal law allows legislators, legislatures to do this if states have failed to make a choice by the day the Electoral College meets. But there is no evidence of systemic fraud of wrongdoing in any state. And Biden's commanding margins in these places make it clear the states have, in fact, made a choice. Quote, if the country continues to follow the rule of law, I see no plausible constitutional path forward for Trump to remain as president, barring new evidence of some massive failure of the election system in multiple states. Richard Hassan, a law professor at the University of California, Irvine, who specializes in elections, wrote in an email, it would be a naked anti-democratic power grab to try to use state legislatures to get around the voter's choice. And I don't expect that to happen. That's some reason right there, because I agree. I don't expect it to happen, but we are hearing over and over again from Trump's lawyers that they have the Kraken. The Kraken has been released. They will release the evidence. They have so much evidence, but there's been no evidence publicly released, not from them in this capacity. We have seen a lot of evidence of impropriety. I will say, however, at least in Georgia, we now have three counties that have just found ballots that weren't counted. Three. Is this going to keep happening? I got to tell you. You find a batch of ballots that weren't counted giving Trump a net gain. And I say, well, you know, these things happen. You find another batch of ballots in a different county that give Trump a net gain. And I go, OK, well, that's kind of weird. But I suppose that's lightning strikes twice, I guess. A third county. OK, that sounds widespread to me. I mean, how do you define widespread? No, it would have to be in at least 50 counties uh, in three counties. We've already found a-, a massive number of ballots that weren't counted breaking some historical margin, if there wasn't a recount, would they've even found it? Well, we, we, they say we would have found this. And if Trump conceded just after they announced Biden was the winner, I think it's a good thing that Trump didn't concede, considering now we're discovering this. I'm not going to call it a coup. That's ridiculous. But I will say it may there, there may have already been one in the other direction. With the 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 uh, Russia Gate lies the smears of Trump the jamming up his presidency the constant impeachment attempts and now we know one of the most shocking things I have uh, and most enraging things I've seen outgoing Syria envoy admits hiding U.S. troop numbers praises Trump Mideast East record we were always playing shell games says Ambassador Jim Jeffrey who also gives advice to President elect Biden you read that you heard that right. When Donald Trump was trying to withdraw our troops from Syria, this guy lied to him and subsequently the American people to keep American soldiers in a foreign country that we should not be in, that the commander in chief was trying to get us out of. And the most shocking bit, not just the lies, but that he went on to say Trump did a really good job in the Middle East bringing about peace. Amazing. He advises Biden to carry on with Trump's Middle Eastern strategy. Sir, you obstructed his strategy. Many Trump supporters have said, coup confirmed. When unelected officials, when appointed officials or whatever intervene to block the president to wage war on a foreign country, that sounds nightmarish, in my opinion. So you know what? If there's going to be fault and there's going to be blame, It's going to be on these resistance bureaucrat establishment types. They knew better. They should. We shouldn't listen to what Trump has to say about the Middle East and our troop levels. Oh, what's that? Historic peace agreements in the Middle East? Normalization of relations between Israel and other countries, Arabic nations? Let's continue doing that. I wonder what we could have could have accomplished if they did not lie. If they didn't lie. Well, now we have the latest. A disturbing number of Republicans support Trump's coup attempt. That's what they're saying. New York Magazine is outright saying, as of right now, it is a coup and the Republicans are in on it. Now, this is from Jonathan Chait. You may remember him from such great pieces, such as Donald Trump has been a Russian asset since the 19 since 1987. That's right. That's not a Russian asset. That's a Soviet asset. This guy went on MSNBC and said maybe Trump was working with the Soviets. I really do not believe that capitalist billionaire Golden Toilet Trump was colluding with the Soviet Union. But these people have lost their minds. That's what's really scary. Anyway, he writes, Last week, Axios reported an alarming but vaguely sourced story that Republicans are talking more about pressuring Republican state legislators to override the election results in their state and appoint pro-Trump representatives to the Electoral College. The next day, the New York Times identified the specific source of the terrifying data, Donald Trump himself, who floated it in White House discussions. This very maneuver was the most chilling scenario floated before the election. When Barton Gellman reported that Republican legislators in Pennsylvania had discussed it. The party indignantly denied having any such designs. And indeed, it would amount to little more than a coup carried out through a legal loophole. State legislatures in several states are gerrymandered so heavily that Republicans enjoy permanent, unassailable majorities. Letting those voter-proof bodies abrogate a free election would plunge the political system headlong into authoritarianism. And what? Joe Biden's massive lockdown wouldn't. Sorry, I'm not I'm not playing that game. He says before proceeding, we should be clear about something. This is not going to happen, at least not this year. Donald Trump's position is far too weak to support such a scheme. He would need to flip at least three states. His legal team is comically inept and his gestures toward this drastic step have been too little and too late to sustain the necessary pressure. But but it's because his effort is so feeble that the compliance of many Republicans is so striking. While supporting a coup that might come to fruition is tempting, supporting one that is certain to fail is not Trump's pathetic campaign to discredit the election is the easiest possible test of his party's commitment to democracy. Remarkably, a number of prominent Republicans are failing at it. You should probably read your own paragraph. Democracy, Republicans Perhaps it's because Republicans are aware that we are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic that elects representatives through a democratic process far from a democracy. They're a democratic. uh, uh, it, It is, in a sense, you could argue that we are a democracy in some respect. But if we're going by the truest sense of what democracy is, this country is not. It was designed this way on purpose to prevent tyranny of the majority. We would rather allow minority voices to be heard. Otherwise, you destabilize and you fall apart. Maybe. Unfortunately, that's inevitable because you're going to end up with growing factions demanding power, and they say there's more of us than there are of you, and no amount of clever legal institutions will protect the minority for long. Now. Is Donald Trump actually gonna call in the military stage a coup or something ridiculous? I really do not believe so. I think it is ever so likely and increasingly likely that Trump is just going to uh he's gonna he's gonna lose this one, call it whatever you want, and he's gonna walk away. I think the real reason we're seeing all of this is because the US will withdraw thousands of troops in Afghanistan in Iraq by January. Trump's leaving. He knows he's leaving, he's trying not to leave, he's trying his hardest. But he's like, okay, we've only got how much time left he's rushing things through. He's firing people because he knows worst case scenario. He's going to be out and he needs to make sure he gets the job done before he goes. If Trump gets our troops out of here, he's going to say, I accomplished everything I wanted to would have nice to have had another term to continue, but I got the job done. Thank you all so much. There's not a coup. Trump is getting rid of the people who are blocking him and lying to him and lying to us to get our troops out of the Middle East. And I'm glad he's doing it. And if Trump finds a legal path to victory, then I'm whatever, man, this is how the game is played. It's always about finding a way to win and gain power. We are not a country ruled by the majority, and that's why Trump lost the popular vote and won. We are a union, a republic of states, and each state has their own rights. You I'm sure California loves the fact that they were able to legalize a ton of drugs when the federal government said no. So you can't, in my opinion, say we're allowed to pass our laws and defiance to the federal government. But when it comes to the presidency, we have more say than you and work that way. Sorry. Ultimately, I don't know where we end up, but I can tell you I have this story from Newsweek. Trump's Pentagon tantrum is damaging, but coup attempt it is not. From Nanahal Singh. Thank you, good sir. It's not, it's not a coup. Trump can fire and hire whoever he wants. Okay. If a coup happens, then I'll say a coup happens. I guess it's fair to point out there is a fear among the left that Trump is preparing for a coup. Maybe it was the first conversation that came up when Trump made this move and fired all these people. But listen, I don't think Trump is evil. You know, we were having a conversation last night on the IRL podcast. Michael Malice was a guest, and he said the narrative doesn't work if if Donald Trump is a C-plus president. They got to make him out to be the worst of the worst, this evil guy. And so that's what the story will always be. In reality, Trump was just not that bad. We had a great economy. He did some good things. Trump was not the best president, nor was he the worst. He was actually a pretty good one. He was fairly decent. He still is. He's still the president. And thus... They are panicking over a coup that is not going to come simply because Donald Trump didn't concede. And rightly so. They've already found a bunch of missing ballots. I mean, that's impropriety, is it not? That's that's OK. Widespread human error enough to, to question the election, perhaps three times historical margins. Anyway, listen, Trump may or may not win. I'm not entirely convinced. I think we're we're very, very close to a, a Biden presidency. I don't think Trump has to concede anything until the Electoral College certifies, and he's certainly within his right to file his legal challenges. I'll add lastly, though, it does kind of feel there's two things I want to mention. It kind of feels like Trump's lawsuits in the recount are just buying time, perhaps, so that he can be in the race when the certification process starts and then actually have a legal challenge. Like I read in, in one of those stories, the Trump camp is waiting to go to the Supreme Court, and maybe the Supreme Court will overturn this. And that's why they need to lose. necessarily need to lose if they win early, they win. Congratulations. But if they make it to SCOTUS, they're confident, or at least they believe they're they're confident that SCOTUS will side with them. But I need to tell you what this is actually all really about. I don't, uh, I'm not entirely convinced that what we're seeing is really about Trump or a coup. I think we might be just seeing shock content. That's it. I think it's, I think it's shock content. I think they're looking for a reason to scare people, to make people think that, you know, Trump is going to stage a coup because Trump is the golden goose. Okay, Trump is the golden goose who allows them to write story after story for Robert Reich to get his thousands of retweets saying because of Trump's attempted coup, Biden and his team aren't able to talk to Fauci, even as nearly thousands of Americans die a day. Never forget. That's his whole bit, right? That's his thing. That's what he does. The Trump campaign is putting three million dollars behind Wisconsin recount and targeted counties is from their announcement. And I'm sure that these people are all very happy about it. We do have evidence that there's something strange going on with um, uh, absentee ballots from Republicans not being returned. And I think there's a real challenge Trump has and a real reason Trump should continue. But in the end, I I wonder if I actually have this this uh, uh, this tweet. Maybe I don't have it pulled up. Oh, there it is. I got it. There it is. Ivanka Trump, quote, blamed a fart on her classmate when she was a bratty teenager breaking. This is the most important story of this or any generation, not because it actually will have an impact, because it shows you just how broken media is. Perhaps all of this talk about a coup. It's really just them desperately trying to get one last golden egg squeezing out of a dead goose because what's left? Ivanka once farted. I'm not kidding. That's the story. Congratulations. Wow. Great stuff, huh? Is that really? It's going to be bad. You know, if it comes to Trump, you know, uh, vacating the office and Biden coming in, what will they write about? I know one thing. It's going to be insane. And I'll talk about the insanity and we'll see how things go. Look, maybe Trump will find a way to win. Maybe he will stage a coup. I don't know. It seems like lightning striking 10 times in a row if that was really going to happen. In Georgia, we did find these irregularities, so maybe lightning will strike for the fourth time, giving Trump the win. We'll see, but I'm not—I'm not confident. I really don't think so. I think the media has become absolutely desperate to the point now where they're writing about Ivanka once blaming a fart on someone. No joke. Is are you kidding? How insane! I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at YouTube.com/slash/TimCastNews. It is a different channel from this one. Check it out, and I will see you all then. Last night, we saw absolute chaos in Michigan. Wayne County, which is where Detroit is, refused to certify the results of the election. Two Republicans were citing serious discrepancies saying they weren't going to sign off on this. This, this would have kicked certification up to like state board officials who then could have just said, okay, fine, we'll certify. That's not what happened. You see, the left organized a harassment campaign, started calling the Republicans racist, for questioning discrepancies in vote to vote counts and book uh, ba- uh, unbalanced voter books, they were racist, and that people were going to know. And one guy even said, "Everyone, millions of people will know who you are." One guy apparently referenced their children, and then they caved. Oh, these poor people! Look, I sympathize, I empathize with those that are on the the the, the bad end of a cancel culture attack, but you must always stand on principle, my friends. Do you think that they will now just leave you alone that you said, oh, we've seen the light. We are going to certify the results of this election, even in the face of all these discrepancies. And now it's all going to be better. People are going to say, well, you did the right thing and give you a firm handshake. No, they're going to be like that proves it. You knew you were racist. When you give in and bend the knee, it proves it. These people, these these Republicans should have known better. Now what they're going to say is, see, they were being racist, and then it was only after they got called out for being racist did they finally relent, proving they were racist. Congratulations to these Republicans who could have actually stood for something and then didn't. And now it will never end. But I tell you, man, Trump's biggest problem right now, although he has some of the most fervent supporters of any politician in a long time marching, waving flags that say Trump, Trump has too many cowards that support him. And I mean, it's a good thing that people support him. And I'm not trying to be overly disrespectful to these people. I understand why they'd be scared. But you see, by bending the knee, they've just made it worse. And that is a recurring, a recurring theme in the culture war. Many people bend the knee and it just gets worse. Uh, it was Captain America himself who said, when everyone tells you you're wrong, it's your job to job to plant yourself like a tree and say, well, they tell you to move. You say, no, you move. Now we have a bunch of people that are standing their ground. You know what? You know what it is? It's interesting. It, it reminds me of uh, uh, to cite that movie, The Patriot again. It's like militia is forming the center. And as soon as there's any sign of of threat, they panic and they run and they flee. And that's unfortunate for Trump. If he had actual principled uh, uh, fans, supporters, this wouldn't have happened. They would have said, "We will." I, I'll tell you what I would have said: if there are discrepancies in what, like seventy-one percent of the of the books, that's massive. I'm not signing off on that. I don't care. You can do whatever you want. You can send it to whoever you want. You can call me any name any any name you want. I'm not going to do it. Well, they caved immediately. But uh, we've also got more crazy. I'll, I'll, I'll read this and we'll, we'll go through what happened. And again, I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I understand it's scary when the mob is coming after you. But if everyone just keeps bowing to these people, they'll just keep doing it. You need to say, shut your mouth and then put your feet up, crack a cigar and say, you ain't getting me to change my opinion. You can do whatever you want because I got no problem. seeing me, I got no problem living in a van down by the river. I guess too many people. Well, they have families, they have kids, they're scared. And you got to understand right now, many people have said to me, Tim, I have kids. I can't do this. I've got to that's that's the exploit. You understand? That's how they're exploiting you, because many of these leftists don't have kids, so they don't care what happens to them. But you do and you've got to provide and they're using that against you. So I only ask you, what future would you leave for your kids if you bow to these people endlessly? Now, listen, I'm not, uh, uh, look, to be fair, I'm not down there in, in, in Wayne County. I don't know exactly what, what the issue was. They said it was unbalanced books. The amount of signatures didn't match the amount of votes. And it was there was too many this time. Perhaps if there were more votes than signatures, I'd probably say that's a problem. But I think it was more signatures than votes. And they said a simple explanation is that people went to vote, signed in, and then the line was too long and left. Maybe either way, if there's discrepancies and you call them out, stand by your decision. Because all you've done now is made everything worse for yourself. But there's, there's there's more news too, my friends. We have historic voter irregularities, and I'm saying irregularity because uh, I'm playing it light. A third county in Georgia, third, has now discovered oops a bunch of ballots we didn't count. Once again, giving Donald Trump a net gain. How strange! Hat trick. What's the likelihood? that three counties discover three batches of ballots, all favoring Donald Trump in that something. Now, is that a coincidence? Sure. Maybe you give me two more counties. I'm gonna go buy a lottery ticket Powerball because no way, no way. Three counties already said, oops, we found ballots. We didn't count. And they all favor Trump. Let me read the story about what's going on in Wayne County, because it looks like Trump had a flickering moment of where there may actually be a legal challenge because of these these voter irregularities. Not so much anymore. They basically said, OK, we're going to certify this as long as you do an audit, which is like saying I'm going to buy the car or I'm going to buy the house and then I'll hire an inspector. That's not how it works. You get the house inspected before you buy it, because then you might find the whole place is trash. Nope. It's like buying something sight unseen. I have no idea. We didn't send in an inspector. We just bought it. But don't worry. The seller promises that after we move in and sign the contracts, then they'll inspect it. Great. Then you go in and inspect and go, Hey, wait a minute. This house is falling apart. Well, too bad. You bought it already. The election's certified. So you do an audit now. They're going to go, Whoa, look at all these problems. Oh, well, election was certified. Biden won, huh? That's how it works. They go on to say, Jenna Ellis, a senior legal advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign, told Fox News on Tuesday that two Republicans on Michigan's Wayne County Board of Canvassers involved in a brief deadlock uh, over the certification process faced threats and allegations of racism before they agreed to certify the ballots. Their decision to side with their Democrat colleagues was dramatic and viewed by conservatives on social media as a capitulation after a brutal two-hour public pressure campaign. Ellis told Shannon Bean, the host of the show, that she received reports that these two board members correctly spotted discrepancies, and she said the ballot counts in 71% of the county's precincts do not match voter rolls. That's significant. That doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican, you should be concerned about it. Kayleigh McEnany, Trump's White House press secretary, announced earlier on Twitter that there were 234 pages of sworn affidavits that raised allegations of fraud in the county. William Hartman and Monica Palmer, the canvassers, had been praised by fellow Republicans. John James, the Republican Senate candidate from the state, who is black, said he applauded them for their bravery in the face of unbelievable pressure to ignore inconvenient truths that threaten our democracy. Laura Cox, the Michigan Republican Party's chairwoman, also said in a statement that there appeared to be enough evidence of irregularities and potential voter fraud that was uncovered. The Detroit Free Press reported the deadlock even caught the attention of Trump, who tweeted, wow, Michigan just refused to certify the election results. Having courage is a beautiful thing. Unfortunately for Trump, it was just uh, shortly after he tweeted that that they came back and said, "Okay, fine, we give, we give, please, please leave me alone. Please just spare my family from your glorious revolution." These people just don't get it, man. They just don't get it. Critics said the decision not to certify the votes was a direct affront on minority communities. Ned Stabler, the chief executive of Techtown, who according to the New York Times is a poll challenger at the TCF Center in the city, said in a viral Zoom meeting, "The Trump stain The stain of racism that you, William Hartman and Monica Palmer have covered yourself in is going to follow you throughout history. He said you two would forever be known in southeastern Michigan as two racists who did something so unprecedented that they disenfranchised hundreds of thousands of black voters in the city of Detroit. Governor Gretchen Whitmer, the state's Democrat, said in an earlier statement, in refusing to approve the results of the election in Wayne County, the two Republican members of the Wade County Board of Canvassers have placed partisan politics above their legal duty to certify election results. Rep Rashida Tlaib took to Twitter to blame the canvassers of putting politics and their, uh, ab- uh, above their duty about their duty to a residents. Is that an error? Suggesting that all of Wayne County can be certified except for Detroit is horrifyingly racist and a subversion of our democracy, Tlaib added. You see the game they play? You do the fraud in the specific area where you can claim racism. So when the books don't match, they say, well, it's not really about the books. It's about racism. Grow a spine, people. Jeez. You know what, man? I'm not even a conservative. I don't know. You can call me whatever you want. But man, I would rather live on my feet than die on my knees. You can call me whatever name you want. I don't care. Look, if there is a discrepancy in the vote and the books don't match, I'm not signing it. Sorry. And they're going to say you are raised. I'm like, Oh, is, is that true? Huh? Wow. That's crazy. How about that? You're going to go down in history. It's like, will I? Wow. How about that? You're not convincing me to sign off on something that doesn't make sense. You know what, man? It's, it's funny too. Cause I don't sign anything. It, people need to know this. I don't, I, I, you, you, you could send me, uh, uh, I, I've done shows and they're like, here's a, a release form. I'm not signing that. What, we need to no, I'm not signing it. I'm not, I'm not going to sign anything. Unless it's like a legitimate business contract, and I'm not gonna sign off anything. You know what I would say? You know, you want? I'd be like, oh, that's that's really interesting. Uh, Lawyer, bring in the lawyers. Let's go through this. I'm not signing anything. But these people caved as soon as racist emerged. It's so pathetic. Gotta grow spines, man. Look, I tell you this: the Trump supporters over at places like the Donald Mm Dot Win. They got like two spines. Their spines are sticking out their back because they refuse to back down in any capacity. They're saying straight up Trump won. end of story. It takes guts to defy the mainstream establishment when they're telling you you're crazy and a the conspiracy. theorist. these people don't care. They're saying, no, we know what we, we believe, what we believe. We're not backing down. You need people like that in politics to an extent, to an extent. You need people to say, I know what's right. Your your pathetic harassment and threats will not change my mind. Unless, of course, these people were lying and they didn't really have a reason to not certify the results. I got to say, though, if they're openly saying there were discrepancies here, why are they signing off on it? they going to say, suggesting that Wayne County uh, blah, blah, blah. She praised the residents in the county after the decision to certify was announced. Palmer said polls poll books in certain precincts in Detroit, a majority black city were out of balance. Jonathan Kinlock, a Democrat on the panel, said the discrepancies were the result of human error and called it reckless and irresponsible not to certify the results. You mean there was massive human error in like 71 percent of our ballot books? (laughs) Sorry, you can't certify that. This is ridiculous. Could you imagine? It's like, well, the election numbers don't quite add up properly. Something doesn't make sense. But well, it would be racist if we if we tried to clarify this error. Let's just certify the election. Great. Hartman said after the meeting that the intense criticism didn't cause him to change his vote. He said he acted because the board had agreed to ask the secretary of state to investigate Detroit's election results. Now, now to be fair, to be fair, is actually still potentially a win. They're certifying the results. If they do an audit in a timely manner uh, before we get to December 8th, I would imagine, or before they choose the electors, this actually might work out on Trump's behalf because doing an audit still a good thing. So to be fair, okay, maybe I was a little harsh on these guys. I don't, I, I like I mentioned, doing the audit after you certify kind of doesn't make sense, but maybe there could be something here. Uh, I would say, however, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd say audit first. Give me an audit and then I'll sign off on it. That's it. You should have done an audit a long time ago. They say as part of the agreement, the board asked Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson to audit the election process and pursue reforms to prevent discrepancies in the future. See. It was basically them saying, throw Trump under the bus and we'll do what you want next time. OK, congratulations. Ellis said it is absolutely mob rule at this point. The president is right that these people need to have courage. She said the state should not certify anything until, quote, we get to the bottom of this systematic and pervasive fraud. That doesn't matter. Look, I think it's fair to say when it comes to fraud, we have the smoke alarm going off. And there's with a fire alarm going off and there's smoke coming out of the building. They're saying, but is there evidence of fire? Well, yes, the smoke. But like, did you see all the fire? No, because we see the smoke. I'm not going in the building. Someone else is supposed to be doing that, but they're not going to. So I tell you this, when 71% of the books are, are unbalanced, you can say it's just a simple error and I'll say, I don't care. How can we have all of these discrepancies? My friends, check this out. Second, Georgia County finds previously uncounted votes, votes, edit and recount. Now three counties. We have Floyd Fayette and Walton County now have all discovered ballots. Oh, my. What, 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 a, what a, a coincidence. It's just a coincidence that we have historic recount margins for Donald Trump. You know what? They say that most recounts only net a few hundred that the the biggest we've seen was in Florida the Florida recount that that brought Al Gore like 1300 votes or whatever. And now Donald Trump has gotten way more than that. He got 800 in the first go around. I think he got around 500 or 600 in the second and now he's got another 176. So congratulations Donald Trump. You now have broken a record for the amount of votes received following a recount. And guess what? The amount he's received so far is about 10% of Joe Biden's lead. And that's just 3 Counties where this has happened. Is it possible? There's more. At this point, I'm gonna go ahead and say yes, because when you pull off a hat trick, that means you do it three times. Sounds like we've got something systemic, right? How is it? Explain to me. No, this is this is uh, uh, presumably widespread at this point. They're, They're gonna say it's only it was only three counties. I'm sorry, it's historic margins. Is this not evidence of widespread impropriety? Failure, systemic voter failure. I think that's the fair way to frame it. We don't got to call it fraud. Oopsie, someone just accidentally didn't count these Trump votes. <laughs> well, you know, we shouldn't disenfranchise these people. I think we now have evidence to suggest we need a hard audit in Georgia. Now, Georgia is doing a full hand recount. Trump's upset because they're not doing like full signature verification stuff like that. I get it. I don't. I don't know what you can actually do in terms of. Getting the perfect recount because this is political. This is this is this is political civil war. That's what Mother Jones called it. This is both sides trying to pull out every stop and use anything they can to win. But let me just say, I think at this point, when three counties in Georgia just discover ballots for Trump, shaving off more than 10 percent of Joe Biden's lead. uh We need serious investigations into this. I think what we're seeing is, uh, as I've described it several times, a standalone complex. And if you haven't heard me uh, explain this, it means a bunch of people acting in concert, giving the appearance of a conspiracy. Like I said, there are people who probably just hate Trump, orange man, bad Trump derangement syndrome by any means necessary. No one tells them to do this. They count the ballots and they say, whoa, this is 800 plus for Trump. They look at the memory stick. They chuck it in a box before putting it in the machine. Why? Because they're stopping the fascists. It's just one person. No one told them to do that. It wasn't coordinated or planned. They just chucked the votes for Trump. That sounds like what is is the likely uh, scenario. I would normally just say if they found one memory card, I'm like, eh, someone maybe just forgot to put in the memory card Then they found two. And I was like, well, you know, now no, they found three. OK, stop. <laughs> you found three. This is from the Walton Tribune. Uh, my understanding is the Walton Tribune has been serving uh, Walton County since, the, since 1900. That's impressive. They say the audit of votes in the presidential race revealed missing votes in Walton County. 284 ballots were added from the precinct. They netted 176 votes for President Donald Trump. Wow. That means like most of them were for Trump or almost all of them. The certified totals as of last week showed Trump, the Republican incumbent with 37,617 or 74.03% of the 50,811 votes in Walton County. But as of Tuesday afternoon, Trump's local hall had risen to 37,842 to 74.06 percent. Democratic nominee Joe Biden came in a distant second. OK, that's fine. Libertarian Joe Jorgensen gained 10 votes. Wow. Lori Wood, chairwoman of the Board of Elections, said that between the precincts said that between precincts had two scanners. One of them got uploaded and another one didn't. Wood said she was confident the error would have been found and all votes counted. And what if Trump conceded on election night? You see the problem here. Trump can't concede. I don't know if Trump's going to be able to pull ahead. But think about it this way. If three counties have been discovered, we're looking at historic vote, swing a vote, historic recount swing for Trump. If he conceded and they didn't do this, we would not have known there was historic failure. Now, you might it might not be enough to change the results. Maybe Donald Trump actually still ends up losing. But isn't it important that we now know that this happened so we can fix it later on? Trump did the right thing. He did, refusing to back down. Quote, we would have discovered it, maybe not this week, but we would have discovered it, she said. The audit brought it to our attention sooner. Trump could have conceded based on their failure. He could have said, I'm looking at these numbers. I give up. Nope. Turns out a lot of votes for Trump. They say, in addition to the error in Walton County, two other mistakes have narrowed Trump's deficit in Georgia. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger's office cited human error and gross negligence in 2,600 missing votes in Floyd County. Raffensperger's office called the Floyd County election manager to resign, but Wood said that Walton County elections officials had taken no such calls from Atlanta. In Fayette County, according to GBP, a memory card was scanned, but not uploaded to the county's electronic results. As of 4 p.m., Tuesday, Biden led by 13,977 out of nearly 5 million uh, uh, in Georgia. Should the former vice president's lead hold, he would be the first Democrat to carry Georgia since 1992. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported the Secretary of State's office will release the audited numbers from all 159 counties at once, likely on Thursday, on a website that will include electronic tabulations, scanned images of tally sheets, and other supporting documents. Okay, 159 counties. They found three errors giving Trump a boost. Maybe that's it. Fine. Maybe Trump doesn't win. Okay. but you can't say it's not widespread because these three counties are three different places where we had these serious errors. So there is widespread impropriety at this point. It needs to be investigated. I don't think it will be, but I'll say it again. Could you imagine if Trump conceded and these these irregularities exist So I believe it was Sidney Powell, Trump's lawyer, said that any Republican who lost by 6% needs to file a lawsuit right now, right now. I believe we are looking at historic voter failure. You know, what's really weird. Mail-in and absentee ballots, according to The New York Times, have a higher failure rate, nearly double. It it goes up to around 2%. And uh, uh, in-person ballots have a failure rate of about 1%. It actually happens because sometimes signatures can't be verified or something happens to the ballots. This time around, we have historic acceptance rates for mail-in votes. Where, where are the rejections? We, I, I covered this endlessly throughout the primaries, the Democrat primaries, where we were seeing hundreds of thousands of ballots being held up, disappeared. Nothing. Nothing right now. The Voter Integrity Fund has already found many people who say they, were Republicans, they mailed in their ballots and they were never marked as received. And that's, that's actually just how simple it really is. It is, like I said, it takes one person, not a conspiracy, to kick a box from a Republican county under a shelf and then, oopsie, the ballots never get delivered. And that's why mail-in ballots were, uh, were problematic. And that's why Trump told his base to vote in person. But still, I believe around 30 to 40 percent, like 35 percent of the mail-in ballots in, in most places were Republican and the majority, between 65 to 70 percent, was Democrat. And there you go. It's, uh, I'm not surprised. We'll see how this plays out, but I got to tell you, it's looking uh, not so good for Trump. It's a reality. Next segment's coming up at one PM on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. As the coronavirus lockdowns increase around the world, we are seeing mass protests. We are seeing rioting across Europe, and I believe soon we will start to see these things here in the U.S. Now, if you look to the media and you look to the the, the stance that leftists are taking, it's It's for your own good. Let the government lock you in your home and take away your rights. Because as you all know by now, and the joke has been made a million times, is the famous quote, the famous quote from Patrick Henry. Give me liberty or give me death. Unless, of course, there is a pandemic. Then by all means, give up all of your rights to the government. In Europe, things are particularly bad. There's been rioting in Italy and Spain, mass protests in Germany, riots in Prague, mass protests in the UK, in France. If you want to leave your home, you need your papers. No joke. In Greece, if you want to leave your home, if you want to go outside, you have to text the authorities and give them a good reason why you're doing it. And there's only a few exemptions as as to why you're allowed. Probably the scariest thing we're seeing is in Denmark, mandatory vaccinations. These things are coming to the U.S. Maybe not mandatory vaccinations. We have we have a constitution here perhaps they're saying now, I think in in, in, in uh, P.A., you have to wear a mask in your house. It's only going to get worse. It absolutely is. And you better believe you better believe that under a President Joe Biden, it will be beyond a dark winter. And the funny thing is, all of this is coming up around. The great reset, the the narrative happening at the same time, where you have these world leaders, these, uh, you know, international interests, the World Economic Forum, Justin Trudeau saying, now's our chance. COVID gives us the opportunity to reset global capitalism. Reimagine what this would be like. Time magazine, for instance, is straight up saying the great reset, reimagining global capitalism because of the COVID-19 crisis. And then when you say these things, the New York Times says, shut your mouth. It's a conspiracy theory. (laughs) Well, Time magazine's running like a major uh, spread about this. Trudeau has called for a reset. The World Economic Forum has said the same thing. It's not a conspiracy theory. That's insane. Take a look at this tweet. Denmark, nine days of protest over a new law that, quote, would be able to define groups of people who must be vaccinated. People who refuse the above can be coerced. Through physical detainment with police allowed to assist. Remarkable. Well, what's the story here? Mandatory vaccinations from the local local local.dk. The parliamentary hearing period for a proposed new law giving the government extended powers to respond to epidemics expires today. The new epidemic law would replace an emergency law passed in the spring, which gave the government extended powers to intervene in society in order to fight COVID-19. As well as enforcing quarantine measures, the existing law empowers the authorities prohibit access to public institutions, supermarkets and shops, public and private nursing homes and hospitals, and also to impose restrictions on access to public transport. Recent instances in which the emergency law has been used by the government to implement rules include partial lockdown of North Jutland and enhanced national restrictions, including assembly limits and mandatory use of face masks announced in October. The emergency and temporary law from March is now up for replacement by a new, more permanent law, which would also ensure provisions for governments to respond to future epidemics and pandemics. The end of the hearing period for the new law means that other parties in the public have been able to study the proposed law and raise their own concerns. So the final version of the proposed law may be different from the one currently in circulation. Some areas in the proposed law that have raised eyebrows include people infected with dangerous diseases can be forcibly given medical examination, hospitalized, treated and placed in isolation. The Danish health authority would be able to define groups of people who must be vaccinated in order to contain and eliminate a dangerous disease. People who refuse the above can in some situations be coerced through physical detainment with a pol- with police allowed to assist. Medics have voiced their concern that the proposed law will give the government too much power over health care, we think these regulations that go too far ought to be changed. Camilla Rath, uh, head of the Danish Medical Association, told the broadcaster, well, they've been protesting for quite some time. And that's Denmark. And maybe you're saying D- we're Americans, you know, what do we care about Denmark? It's coming here and, and, and uh, it will be soon. This is just from the from the other day. I mean, arguably, it's actually yeah, just just last night. PA government announces new COVID rules, including wearing a mask in your house. The state is reporting more than 5000 new infections per day, up 115 percent in two weeks. The Great Reset, as it were, it's not a conspiracy theory. They're literally doing it. And it's like plainly obvious. They're saying they are doing it. That's the weirdest thing. The New York Times says, oh, the Great Reset conspiracy theory is back, even though they're quite literally like. Because of COVID-19, we're going to shut everything down and reset global capitalism. It's like, okay, so they can say it That's the name of the game. Now, far, far right. They had an extra far this time. I'm I'm not even kidding. That's far, far right. Are pushing these baseless conspiracy theories based on our own reporting, they say. Well, listen, Germany, thousands of Germans protest against Merkel's coronavirus plans. One protester wore a face mask with the words Merkel muzzle others held banners with slogans such as carnival against fascism. Coronavirus lockdown in Greece requires people to text authorities before leaving their home. People will only be allowed to leave their homes for work, exercise and medical reasons. You know, there's one thing getting in the way of a great reset here in the United States and you know it is it is the constitution. And we've seen in New Jersey These gym owners cited the 14th Amendment, equality under the law, as to why they were allowed to bypass these restrictions. But I will say it's quite strange that it's Democrats that are enforcing these lockdowns similar to what we see in Europe, and it's Republicans who are, for the most part, resisting. Not completely, though. Many Republicans are also giving in. And it reminds me an awful lot of the movie uh, Kingsman. No, I'm not implying there's a grand conspiracy among the global elites to kill off and call the masses. But it really does feel strange that you have all of these elites the, uh, these politicians, these millionaires, the World Economic Forum, Davos Group, things like that, that have been advocating for this for quite some time. And now COVID infection rates are skyrocketing, but COVID deaths are not. That's the weird thing about this, which says to me, we had a very serious problem with COVID earlier this year, Um, and we wanted to slow the spread. So 15 days, right? But they never released the lockdowns for the most part. They eased restrictions in many places. And now they're bringing them all back. It's getting it's actually getting really bad in terms of restrictions. Stores are being picked clean. I hope you are all taking care of yourselves, your friends and your family, and uh, you've prepared for for the worst. I don't know what their plans are, why they're doing it, but I can tell you there's no way they they actually want to lock things down out of a fear of COVID. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I know the media is immediately going to be like, it's a conspiracy theory, Tim. It's a conspiracy theory. Is it now? Exclusive from Bill Malugan, we've obtained photos of Governor Gavin Newsom at the Napa dinner party he's in hot water over. The photos call into question just how outdoors the dinner was. A witness who took photos tells us his group was so loud the sliding door had to be closed. My friends, Gavin Newsom has now been caught twice completely violating his own restrictions in California. If he was so worried about covid, why is why are they all sitting around a large gathering indoors with no masks on? Because they're not scared because they don't care. Maybe you might say, well, then if they want to risk their health and safety. Fine. You assume that Gavin Newsom just doesn't care if he gets sick. Okay, then why is he forcing everyone else? You see, therein lies the big problem. And I think it's fair to say that politicians do this all the time. You know, it's like in Chicago. You can't have guns unless, of course, you're a politician. You are not allowed to carry it. Well, now you are because there's a Supreme Court ruling. But here you go. So you mean to tell me that while these these Davos elite elites, Time magazine, Vox.com, all these progressives are saying we need a lockdown. Many of them are then going on to say it's time for a great reset. The Democrats then enforce the lockdown, but ignore them for themselves. And I'm supposed to believe Governor Newsom and Nancy Pelosi and these other Democrats are actually worried about covid. No, it sounds like their motivation is their stated reason. The Great Reset. Of course, they say it's a conspiracy. Well, first, let me show you the new rules that are affecting Pennsylvania. They say P.A. is planning on taking additional steps to address a sharp increase in covid. Starting, uh, they say requires masks to be worn indoors, indoors, in your own house. Wow. In addition, starting Friday, anyone who enters Pennsylvania must be tested at least 72 hours before arrival. And if they can or do not get a test, they must be they must quarantine for 14 days. The order does not apply to people who commute to neighboring states for work or for health care, officials said, and will be largely self-enforced. OK, OK, fine. I have a question. Yeah, you know, I brought this up a while ago in New York City. They put checkpoints up when you come into the city. Where are you from? You know, where, where are you going? Things like that. And if you're from a covid heavy area, they make you quarantine. This is going to make sure the economy of New York completely collapses. Maybe they're trying to reset property values. I have no idea. Bill de Blasio announced he wanted to buy up some of these vacant properties now that people have been fleeing the city. But I said, you know, I, I mentioned this when I covered it the first time. If they're going to enforce these ridiculous restrictions and lockdowns, then it seems like they're just trying to destroy their economy. I mean, you look at the riots when the when these district attorneys, the Democrats, release rioters, and then they go and smash and loot and destroy. Just destroys the economy. Could it be a great reset? They said this. Okay, look, I'm not going to imply that they made the riots happen. People rioted because they were angry, probably because of the, because of the lockdown. They certainly didn't care to stop it, though, when small businesses were being looted and destroyed. And an ongoing narrative was they survived the covid lockdowns. Their small business thrived. Then came the riots. Yeah, the riots came in, finished them all off, smashing up their windows, stealing their stuff. And with no way to recover, with limited business as it was, people just gave up. How about that story from New Jersey where the woman was selling goods in online? She was the store was closed. And she was filming things on Facebook saying, if you if you see anything you like, message me and I'll ship them to you. And the cops came and shut her down. The rich get richer. The poor get poorer. And y'all got to wear your mask indoors. Here we go from the Daily Dot. Trudeau's speech reignites conspiracy theory fervor over Great Reset. They say Internet conspiracy theorists have resurrected a belief that global elites created the coronavirus pandemic as part of an evil plot to plan a new world order via the Great Reset. Well, I certainly never said that, and I don't think that's the case. I think you can clearly see the data that COVID's a problem, and I hope people take it seriously. I just don't think it's the apocalypse. I think wearing masks is a good idea, and I have a really cool mask. I don't think I have it in here. Someone made it for me. I mentioned it all the time. It's got a little beanie on it. That's great. And it's really comfortable, easy, and I don't care. Masks, whatever. You know, I got to, uh, to the store, I put the mask on, and I don't even notice. Not a big deal, right? The issue is now we're, we're seeing more cases, but we're all seeing weird anomalies like that one singer who got her left nostril positive and her right nostril negative, like what? And then Elon Musk took four tests and two were negative and two were positive. It's like, okay, man, the tests seem to be giving us a lot of false positives, it would seem. So cases are skyrocketing hospitalizations aren't and deaths aren't because I think I think when you look at the current amount of deaths, covid's here to stay. And I think it was even Fauci who said it. Not that I trust him all that much now, but that, you know, it was going to remain and we're probably going to have a covid season. It's going to be like the flu and it's going to be a problem. We need a vaccine. And I'm like, makes sense to me. Now what we're seeing is the global elites exploiting the crisis for their great reset not creating it but you see what the daily dot does is they they make it as crazy as possible so you so you disregard it they say conspiracy theorists think that the real goal of the reset is to create a global totalitarian regime i mean that's a rather extreme way of putting it they just said they want to reset global capitalism which would be a massive transfer of wealth from lower class people to the wealthy the theory first circulated over the summer as with many conspiracy theories the logic behind the belief is in a great uh behind the belief in a great reset is convoluted and largely based on half truths So-called evidence includes a book by the World Economic Forum founder, Klaus Schwab, a 2016 piece (laughs) by the World Economic Forum, president-elect Joe Biden's campaign slogan, and now a recent Trudeau speech. Joe Biden's campaign slogan, Build Back Better, is being pushed by a ton of different people in different countries. They're all saying, Build Back Better. Okay, come on, man. You're not going to convince me that we are not like it, there are four lights. I can see what they're saying and doing and what they're calling for. You know, spare me this ridiculous whatever. In the 2016 piece in the WF World Economic Forum website, experts from its Global Future Council made predictions about life in 2030. One quote that, you know, has since oh, this is interesting. One quote, the conspiracy theory crowd clung to uh, that global socialism is imminent is from a since deleted 2016 tweet. Linking the piece in which the, WE, the WEF said, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. This is how the world could change by 2030. They actually deleted the tweet because Great Reset was trending on Twitter and they had this video up where they said, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Western values have been pushed to the limit. It's time for something new. I think consumerism is bad. Like it's just consumer culture where we just buy more and more stuff. I think it's dumb. We got to create products that last. We need to build an economy around like things that work and work for a long time instead of planned obsolescence. That's bad. I'm all all down for protecting the environment and, uh, uh, you know, recycling and, and eating healthier and doing right. But what they're doing is exploiting a crisis. And these people, like I showed you with Gavin Newsom, the wealthy are sucking up the power. You see what happens is when they lock everything down, most people buy from big box stores which remain open. Small mom and pop shops are shuttered. So you've got, you've got this story from the Daily Dot. You've also got this one from the New York Times. The baseless Great Reset conspiracy theory rises again. <laughs> you conspiracy theorists. They say on Monday morning, the phrase Great Reset trended with nearly 80,000 tweets, much more than that, actually. They say with most of the posts coming from familiar far right Internet personalities, the conspiracy alleges that a cabal of elites has long planned for the pandemic so they could use it to impose their global economic control on the masses. In some versions of the unfounded rumor, it is only President Trump who is thwarting this plan and keeping the scheme at bay. Uh, yeah, because Trump said no lockdown. But it's not, it's Time Magazine, the great, look at this, time.com, the great reset. The COVID-19 pandemic has provided a unique opportunity to think about the kind of future we want. Time partnered with the World Economic Forum to ask leading thinkers to share ideas for how to transform the way we live and work. Sir, I'm sure some people think it's been long since planned, that the goal of you know the, the, the pandemic or they believe it was manufactured. I'm not I'm not doing that. You know, when I was talking to Alex Jones on, on the IRL podcast, which YouTube took down, by the way, he said there's an article from like new scientists or whatever that talks about the creation of something that, you know, in, oh, years ago, a virus they called COVID-19 or whatever. And then they issued an update saying that's not the case. And like, look, man, maybe I don't care. It's, it's irrelevant. OK, uh, maybe it's relevant and, and and fine. Find evidence, consider it. The point is they are using COVID for the great reset, period. You want to argue some stuff beyond that? You can you can think whatever you want to think right now. The fact we can point out is that hospitalizations are not going up and deaths are only spiked a little bit, not as bad as it was. It went up and then it went back down and cases are skyrocketing while people are questioning the the uh, success rate of these uh, of these tests, in which case. These politicians are clearly trying to exploit a crisis. That's 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 reality. They do it all the time. They've always done it. OK, Trump used videos of the riots and said, vote for me. That uh, People, they, they they it's a normal part of politics. The issue I take is that I never voted for Justin Trudeau or Boris Johnson or any of those other build back, better, reset folks. We live in America. Now, if you want to create this utopian world, I think you do it through culture, through inspiring people, through having them rise to the challenge so that we can help make this world a better place and create human sent like human, like uh, international and national goals. What I've explained the other day. Let's uh, let's go to Mars. Let's 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 put Elon Musk on the cover of the magazines or whatever in the music videos of the movies and prop him up because he's doing awesome stuff. They're not. The leftists who call for this stuff hate Elon Musk. They say he's wasting money. Therein lies the scary problem. I want a future of progress and success, of sustainability, of a clean, clean, of clean, breathable air and water, recycling, an end to consumerist culture and planned obsolescence, people to be able to work and survive and save. And I want to go to the stars and I want to, I want to explore and I want life to be, uh, fun, exciting and, uh, um, you know, to bring about progress. The left attacks it. They want to live in the woods, you know, not all of them, but many. I'm not even exaggerating. They say that we need to go back to a pre-industrial uh, uh, civilization so that we can live better in sync with with nature and the environment. They say Elon Musk is wasting money going, you know, building these rocket ships because we got to focus on healthcare instead. They just want everybody to own nothing. And to just, I don't know, sit around and read books or something. They're not bringing about a better future. Maybe they think they're the good guys, but authoritarianism manipulation is the opposite. You don't, I'll, I'll put it this way the ends don't justify the means because you never meet the ends. If you believe that everything they're doing right now is for the betterment of mankind, there's no, it, then they're always going to be doing things like this. They will have their great reset. They will have their reimagined capitalism. And then the saying goes, and then who will stop uh, who will stop the next glorious revolution? You see the problem? If these people are willing to lie, cheat and steal and cause mass suffering and death to get what they want, because it's the right thing to do, why would they ever stop? That's why you don't let these people get power. It will always then be in their world. They're allowed to do it. They're allowed to lock people down and cause suffering. And I don't want to live in a world where the government welds my door shut like they do in China. That's not the way we want to go with this. We want to be more like Star Trek, where we develop technology, we learn to live within our our, our environment better, and then we travel off and explore the stars and colonize the moon and Mars and other places and slowly start building and figuring out better ways to create sustainable environments. You do that through inspiring the younger generation to do better. Instead, we have this weird, culty authoritarianism that wants people not to do science, that doesn't believe in science, and will ultimately resolve the destruction of the only the, the countries that are actually advocating for this. I'll tell you what, in the end, you do your great reset, that's fine. What do you think China's going to do? They're going to keep growing, they're going to keep exploiting, and they're not going to change their ways. They're going to keep pumping out uh, you know, pollutants and carbon and all that stuff. And you're going to be sitting there saying, we're helping. And they're going to be like, you do you. And then in a 100 years, we will live in a world with a dominant Chinese superpower. And they will be locking up Uyghur Muslims like they already are. They're going to lock up people and undesirables. And that's not a world I want to live in. That means we have to stay vigilant and we have to call this out and ignore the lies coming from the media that are trying to convince you it's not true. Otherwise, I'll tell you this. The riots will be coming here soon. I I hope everything stays calm, but what do you expect? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCast. It's my main channel, which is different different from this one. I will see you all there. Donald Trump is not giving up. Today was the deadline for him to file for a recount in Wisconsin, and Trump has filed for a recount in two liberal counties where he thinks the most most of the fraud or impropriety or whatever may have occurred. I don't know if that'll be enough to actually win him the state of Wisconsin, but Trump is certainly putting his money where his mouth is. They reported that it would be like $7.9 million if Donald Trump wanted to file a recount Wisconsin. Well, now he's going to be spending about $3 million for this recount in these districts. I can't imagine This will be fruitful uh, in in the sense that it'll overturn the results of Wisconsin. In Georgia, however, we did see three counties where they failed to upload votes in the thousands that actually gave Trump a major net gain, a historical margin. So it's something that needs to be done. And I have to say, putting three million dollars up, Trump is serious about challenging and winning this. That's a lot of money. If Trump really was just trying to fundraise off this, I don't think he'd actually spend $3 million. The left is trying everything in their power to convince Trump supporters and regular people that Trump is giving up and it's all a big scam. They've reported when you donate to his is a recount fund. It actually goes to settle his debt. Oh, maybe. But Trump just put up $3 million for this recount. So I don't know what his plan is. I got to tell you, reading the news about Rudy Giuliani's efforts in court. Could just be media and liberal bias, or it could be that they're floundering and have no real path other than to just jam things up. But maybe that's the that's that's the point. Maybe Trump isn't buying a re-election. Maybe he's buying time for some reason. I don't know. I will say, in 2012, Donald Trump tweeted about rigged voting machines. I, I find it really hard to believe that Trump is that dumb. Maybe. But if in 2012, Trump tweeted, the voting machines are rigged and are flipping votes, wouldn't he have prepared something? Maybe, maybe there really is a grand kraken going to come and unleash all this evidence. But I got to say, I'm just, you know, look, you show me the evidence and I'll believe it for, t- for the time being. This is what we're dealing with. The AP reports, President Donald Trump filed Wednesday for a recount of Wisconsin's two largest Democratic counties, paying the required $3 million cost and alleging, They were the sites of the worst irregularities, although no evidence of illegal activity has been presented. Did Trump say illegal activities? I believe he said irregularity. The recounts in in Milwaukee and Dane counties will begin Friday and must be done by December 1st. Democrat Joe Biden received five hundred and seventy seven thousand four hundred fifty five votes in those two counties compared with just two hundred and thirteen thousand one hundred fifty seven for Trump. Biden won statewide by 20,608 votes based on canvassed results submitted by the counties. I don't think Trump's going to get that many votes in a recount, but maybe, probably not. The historical number was Florida previously, it's my understanding, was like 1,300. Now it's Trump's in Georgia with about 1,400. Quote, the official canvas results reaffirmed Joe Biden's clear and resounding win in Wisconsin after Wisconsin voters turned out to cast their ballots in record numbers said Biden campaign spokesman Nate Evans. A cherry picked and selective recounting of Milwaukee and Dane County will not change these results. Maybe they're right. Maybe Trump's Trump needs to target those counties where voter turnout exceeded 100%. That would probably be a better place to go. But maybe he thinks there's more votes here. They say Milwaukee County is the state's largest home to the city of Milwaukee and black people make up about 27 percent of the population more than any other cond- county. Dane County is home to the liberal capital city of Madison and the flagship University of Wisconsin campus. Quote, the people of Wisconsin deserve to know whether their election process worked in a legal and transparent way, said Wisconsin attorney Jim Troupas, who was working with the Trump campaign. Regrettably, the integrity of the election results cannot be trusted without a recount in these two counties and uniform enforcement of Wisconsin absentee ballot requirements. We will not know the true results of the election. Until only the legal ballots cast are counted. Dean Nudson, a Republican member of the Wisconsin Elections Commission, said Trump raised significant legal questions that have never been adjudicated in Wisconsin. But a fellow commission member, Democrat Mark Thompson, said Trump was trying to change the rules of the election after he lost, but only in two counties, quote, That's like losing the Super Bowl and then saying, I want a review of a certain play using different rules than what applied to the rest of the game. That is the essence of hypocrisy and cheating and dishonesty. No, what are you talking about? Asking for a recount is not asking for different rules. Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett, a Democrat, called the recount an attack on cities, on minorities, on places that have historically voted Democratic. Don't let anyone fool you. This is about irregularities. This look, man, I got to tell you. This is really just coming down to my side versus your side. And who is the judge going to choose? I'm, I'm sure many of these judges are going to have their prejudices, but they might be. They might just uh, uh, rule in favor of the establishment of the machine. Why? Why not? Trump is on the outs. He is. That's the reality. The mainstream media, the establishment is desperately trying to hold on to the narrative and it's breaking apart. This is good for Trump. And maybe Trump may actually pull through this one. But for now, the establishment is against him. The Democrats are just saying it's an attack and it's an affront. It's racist. And the Republicans are saying there's very serious irregularities. Do we just ignore these irregularities? Is that how it's always worked? It's a game. Barack Obama won because Romney never really cared in the first place. A lot of people mention that what's going on in these various states and cities happens all the time, but Trump is just scrutinizing it now. Isn't it messed up that we needed Trump to scrutinize our elections to bring about better election integrity? That to me is nuts. They say the Trump campaign is also alleging that thousands of voters improperly got around Wisconsin's photo ID requirement by claiming they were indefinitely confined and therefore didn't have to present a photo ID in order to return to their absent, return their absentee ballot. Wisconsin law requires all voters to show an acceptable photo ID to vote both in person and by mail. It does provide exemptions for citizens who are indefinitely confined because of age, physical illness or infirmity or are disabled for an indefinite period. The Wisconsin Republican Party sued Democratic Dane County clerk Scott McDonnell in March before the state's spring primary over advice he had posted on his Facebook page that voters could declare themselves indefinitely confined due to the pandemic. Wow. So this might actually work out. Trump might be actually seeking to uh, find voters who didn't vote properly and tried claiming COVID was giving them an exemption, which it probably wouldn't. The Wisconsin Supreme Court ordered McDonald to stop issuing guidance that is different from official language approved by the Wisconsin Elections Commission. The Trump campaign alleged the damage was already done before McDonald was ordered to remove the language. The Trump campaign also alleges that local election clerks issued absentee ballots to voters without requiring an application in violation of state law. Trump's complaint alleges that 60,000 votes were cast by people who didn't submit a written application but offered no evidence. Elections Commission members, Nudson and Thompson, both said they did not know what Trump was referring to in that portion of the complaint. They say this was news to me that that's been happening. Thompson, a Democratic member, said the claim was not true. Everyone knows you can't get an absentee ballot unless you request it. uh, Trump also claimed that observers in Milwaukee were kept too far away to observe the counting of ballots. I'm going to stop right here. It seems like Trump is buying time for something. Here's the way I described it uh, the other night. If Trump came out and the numbers all said Joe Biden won and then Trump was like, I refuse to concede. And that was it. Didn't sue, did nothing. They'd be like, what are you doing? You're not challenging the results. The results are in. What are you doing? I'm going to I'm going to wait. Let's say he does. And then some Republicans refuse to certify for a variety of reasons. They'd be like, did Trump know this is going to happen? So Trump calls for a recount and calls for a bunch of things. And they're confused. Like, what is this? Because maybe Trump is saying, hey, hey, I'm challenging. Then something happens. Republican legislatures maybe don't certify the results or the, the, the election boards won't certify like we almost saw in Michigan. And then Trump goes, oh, gee, oh, oh, look at this. Look at this. Maybe it goes to a contingent election. I don't know. But I will say at least how Daily Mail is framing it. And I'm not sure I trust them entirely. Giuliani's court bid to overturn Biden victory turns to farce as he forgets judge's name, calls other lawyer that angry man, claims the 11 biggest cities are conspiring to steal the election, then gets directions to the nearest martini bar. Rudy Giuliani appeared in person at federal court in Williamsport, PA. He has taken over Trump's fight to throw out votes in Pennsylvania and other states Joe Biden carried. He forgot the judge's name, called the opposition lawyer that angry man, and claimed 11 of the biggest cities had a conspiracy to steal the election. He claimed only a fool would think it accidental that Biden won the biggest cities. District Judge William Brand gave him until 5 p.m. Wednesday to file a new brief. Earlier, he said the legal team might lose in order to advance its case. We're prepared in some of these cases to lose and appeal and get it to the Supreme Court. I wonder, could it be that Trump cut a deal that he's really this nefarious mastermind. 40 chess. Brett Kavanaugh, you're with me, right? I'll appoint you. You better return the favor. Amy Coney Barrett, return the favor. I'm not convinced. This just sounds like, look, something's probably going on because I'll tell you something is weird. This just, Trump just dumped $3 million into a recount. He's not messing around. Something is planned. Maybe Trump is just like, I will burn every penny I have. OK, that's because he really wants to win. Or maybe there really is an ace in the hole that Trump is just waiting got the ace up his sleeve at the right moment. He's going to flick it out and be like, four of a kind, I win. Or maybe not. Maybe he's just desperate because he doesn't want to go to jail or something, which I really doubt's going to happen. But I'll tell you this. The left is certainly calling for Donald Trump to go to prison. And uh, let's talk about it. That's right. I got a couple more segments coming up in just a few minutes. So uh, I'll wrap it up with this. I don't know what this is. I think Trump is buying time. I think he's got a plan. I do. I'm not convinced it's going to work, but I think he's buying time for something. Or maybe he doesn't want to go to prison. Let's, let's, leave, let's leave it there. Next segment's coming up in just a few minutes. Stick around, and I will see you all shortly. Congressman Bill Pascrell Jr. says, Tonight, I'm calling for the eventual prosecution of Donald Trump and his enablers for their many crimes against the United States, writing U.S. Rep. Bill Pasquale, D. New Jersey, ninth today called for the widespread investigation and prosecution of members of the outgoing Trump administration, quote, Donald Trump and members of his of his administration have committed innumerable crimes against the U.S. He has endangered our national security, ripped families apart, poisoned the census He has personally profited from his office. He has attacked our elections and sought to throttle democracy. He was rightly impeached by the House of Representatives. He has engaged in treachery, in treason. He has all but given up on governing and protecting our nation. And if he had a shred of dignity, he would resign today. Therefore, in 2021, the entire Trump administration must be fully investigated by the DOJ and any other relevant offices. Donald Trump, along with his worst enablers, must be tried for their crimes against our nation and Constitution. Importantly, any further abuse of the sacred pardon power to shield criminals would itself be obstruction of justice and any self pardons would be illegal. Failure to hold financial and political wrongdoing accountable in the past has invited greater malfeasance by bad actors. A repeat of those failures in 2021 further emboldens criminality by our national leaders and continues America down a path of lawlessness and authoritarianism. There must be accountability. Trump's not going to jail. Trump's not going to get arrested. Hillary Clinton didn't go to jail. And Trump literally had rallies where they chanted, lock her up. These people are nuts. The reality is Joe Biden is concerned that federal investigations into ex-President Trump will further divide the country. Well, Trump is still president, but you get what he's saying. If slash when we see a Joe Biden presidency, he's like, no, no, we can't go after Donald Trump because we need unity. Yeah. Donald Trump said he was something like if he was president, you know, you'd be in jail to Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton didn't go to jail. They didn't do anything. Maybe Trump certainly wanted her to go to jail, but the DOJ or whoever would not make that happen. And I doubt they're going to go after Trump either. Why? And the reality is they don't like Donald Trump. Donald Trump wasn't supposed to win, but they don't want to open the door to them going to prison because it's kind of like an unspoken thing, right? Listen, we really don't like you. You weren't supposed to win. You're messing up our plans, but you're not going to go to prison because we don't want to go to prison either. That's the game, right? That's the game. President-elect Joe Biden and his team would rather move the country forward once he assumes office rather than prosecute President Donald Trump, according to a new report. NBC spoke to multiple sources close to Biden who say he's wary of launching federal investigations into his opponent, fearful it'll undermine his attempt to reunite the country. Instead, Biden reportedly wants to reset the relationship between the White House and the Justice Department and move away from directing federal law enforcement in terms of what to focus on. His overarching view is that we need to move the country forward. But the most important thing on this is that he will not interfere with his Justice Department and not politicize his Justice Department. Other advisors to Biden have said that any investigation into Trump would be very situational. Plus, they would run on a separate track from the state level investigations, like the one into his taxes. A great number of Democrats have demanded a new round of Trump investigations once he's out of office. And as the internal party pressure for that persists, Biden's team is also reportedly reluctant to send any signal to Trump uh, Trump administration officials that the Justice Department wouldn't look into their actions. Well, they're not looking for broad criminal indictments, they do want to make sure that people don't think there are no ramifications for any of their actions between now and the new presidency. So does that mean that we can rely on them to keep the Durham report going and they can call out all those? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Joe Biden's implicated in Obamagate. He's not going to keep that running. He's going to shut it down. And maybe that's the real game. Joe Biden's going to shut down the Durham report and say, OK, OK, Trump, fine. We won't go after you, but we're going to shut this one down because we don't want to go to prison. Yep. Well, how do you think the leftists are handling this? They're not. Cenk Uygur of the Young Turks outraged, saying, who are you going to unify with, QAnon? Cenk Uygur mocks Biden's reported plans not to prosecute Trump. The Young Turks host, Jank Yuger openly mocked Joe Biden after a report surfaced that pres- that that president elect and his team would likely opt not to move forward with any effort to prosecute Trump, choosing instead to unify a bitterly divided country. Uyghur Uger, what I pronounce his name, shared a disappointment, but not surprise at this news noting that Biden is merely continuing policies established during his time in the Obama administration. NBC News spoke with multiple sources, and this we know they say. The historical context this is from Jen. Uh, the historical context all led to the conclusion that Biden was going to do this. The Obama Biden administration as soon as they got into office said, we look forward, we don't look backwards. Well, that's a great relief to all criminals because all crimes are in the past, not in the future. That's why Obama didn't hold Bush and Cheney accountable for breaking several laws including torture and warrantless wiretapping. Spot on, Jenk. Spot on. Only I don't care about your opinion because you are just helping prop up Joe. B- oh, look, you know what? Uh, no, I- I'm going to do this. To be fair, Cenk Huger said Joe Biden had dementia back way back. But your network propped him up. Y- y- look, I get it. The Young Turks have been way more for Bernie than they are for Biden. And the leftists don't like Joe Biden. And I can respect that. I don't like him either. I you know. The, the problem I have is that many of these progressives are like, well, Joe Biden's better than Trump. Why? Because Trump was ending the wars. Were you paying attention for the past year and a half, two years? Trump's been trying to get our troops out of these places. and They've been lying. Why put in the warmonger? Trump's got problems, man. But he, he wasn't that bad. So don't come to me complaining about Joe Biden saying, yeah, well, Joe Biden's always done this. Uh, you, you should prosecute Trump. OK, whatever, man. Joe Biden is not better. Even if you think Trump is all of these awful things, Joe Biden is still not better. It makes literally no sense. They just didn't want to abandon their tribal identity. So these progressives, these leftists bent the knee. Now, to be fair to uh, Kyle Kalinsky, for instance, that dude's been ragging on Biden the whole time. Bravo. Good, sir. I respect that tremendously. And so is Jimmy Dore. Just because there are, I don't know, tribalists that would prefer to see their tribe win doesn't mean there aren't people on the left who have, you know, called it out and done a good job. Co-host Anna Kasparian also wondered what message ignoring Trump's crimes would send about what what crimes? What crimes? Serious question. What crimes? Emoluments clause? Crimes. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, I thought so. Kasparian wondered about what message uh, uh, Trump's crime ignoring this would send about Democrats' ostensible commitment to the rule of law. Especially at a time when Trump and his lackeys are attempting to undermine the validity of a presidential election. If you care about protecting our democratic process, processes, which Donald Trump has worked very hard to dismantle, wouldn't you want to look into that? Wouldn't you want to investigate that? They're trying to steal the election from Biden right now as we speak. But no, we've got to unify as if that's ever going to happen. Uyghur takes Biden to task for pursuing a policy of unity. Okay, okay, great. I tell you what, fine. Division and chaos and violence and street battles. Is that what you guys want? I don't like Joe Biden. I think the guy's awful. I think he's 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 crooked, but unity is better than the alternative. So you know what? I would have preferred Donald Trump, but in any sense, I would prefer more unity rather than less. Not that Donald Trump was particularly good in that in that capacity either because Trump was a a culture warrior. They go on to say. Who are you going to unify with QAnon? 50% of the Republican Party believes the Democratic Party is led by child molesters. 50%. And who leads the Democratic Party now? Joe Biden does. So he's like, I want to unite with the people who call me a molester. Why would you do that? That makes no sense at all. Joe Biden is is got is all these videos of him inappropriately touching little girls and women. At the very least you can say that, right? Yeah. So, who is Joe Biden going to unify with? Joe Biden's not going to unify with anybody because nobody likes Joe Biden. But I tell you this, we do need to figure out how to live together, and I feel like it's just not going to happen. I know maybe it's pessimistic of me, but I feel like we're headed towards, I don't know, man, chaos of some sort. January 20th is coming, and I don't know what December 14th holds. On the 14th, the Electoral College will make their choice, and I believe it's going to be Joe Biden. I can't imagine Trump supporters are going to sit back and be like, oh, well, shucks, I can't imagine Trump supporters are going to go out and anti-fop the street, you know, and just start smashing windows and everything. I don't know what they're going to do. I think many Trump supporters are going to say, oh, shucks, for sure. But there's a lot of people who probably won't because Joe Biden represents something, something people don't like. Elitism, the banksters, the lobbyists, the corporations. He represents everything that Occupy Wall Street opposed. Yet For some reason, the progressives were like, we got to make sure Biden wins because he's a fascist. Guess Trump's a fascist, right? You see that video that woman freaking out, shaking the camera in her face. These people are nuts, man. Trump is not that bad. Biden is pretty bad. Uh, I'm not happy with a Biden presidency because I've seen what a Bi- what 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 a uh, Obama Biden administration looks like. Now to see these progressives come out, uh, going after Joe Biden, calling him all these names. It's funny. That was the obvious path. Support Joe Biden, help him get elected, and then go, "Oh no, now Joe Biden is president." Uh-huh. Yeah. Was Trump really that awful? They really wanted to make him out to be like the worst president ever. And that's the thing. Whenever a story comes out about Trump being not that bad, it's probably why they ignore my content. Because Tim Pool's content is like, yeah, Trump's got his problems. He's not that bad. Not sensational enough. We can't have a narrative where Trump is just not that bad. We have to have a narrative where Trump is either the worst or someone thinks he's the best, but they're crazy because he's the worst. The milk toast fence, and he doesn't work for the smear campaigns, I suppose. Well, look, Trump's not going to prison. That's ridiculous. In fact, he might stay as president. We'll see. I kind of doubt it. We'll see. But he's not going to prison. At the very least, these people need to chill out. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. The lockdowns are back, baby. If you've been following the news, then you've heard me talk about it over and over again. Yep. The lockdowns are coming back in full force. And New York City just announced they're going to be shutting down their school system. Bravo, Cuomo. Man, that dude has really run that state into the ground. And de Blasio just lit New York City on fire. And these and these are the people we're supposed to be looking up to. Cuomo talking about how he's the he's the one who knows how to solve this problem. we got to listen to what he has to say. He put nursing he put sick people in nursing homes and killed a bunch of old people. And now New York is falling into disrepair. I mean, disrepair is putting it lightly, to be honest. It's a ghost town. I mean, I hear these stories from people. You constantly hear the left saying, no, New York's fine. That's not the videos I've seen. People talking about going to Times Square, just ghost town, nothing there. Businesses all shuttered. What's left? The city is in dire straits. And it's the fault of Bill de Blasio and Cuomo Democrats. Now, that's the news. Check it out. New York City to close public schools as virus cases rise. In a big setback for the city's recovery, the school's chancellor, Richard... Carranza said the nation's largest district would return to all remote learning. I'm sure the people who live in New York are excited about this. One of the issues with school is that parents use it as effectively as a daycare. Kind of a problem in my opinion, but I understand why parents rely on these schools. They can go work while, the, while their kid is in school being taught, you know, whatever. I'm not a big fan of the system. Not at all. But I understand why parents need it. Now, here's the best part, what you've been waiting for. CNN baselessly claims Republicans are at fault for coronavirus spike. Oh, heavens. I was under the impression when you look at the charts that New York City was the worst hotspot potentially in the world, or it was at one point. Yeah, that's uh, not a Republican place. Last time I checked, the examiner says it's long been taken for granted that the national media helped politicize the pandemic in order to help Joe Biden get elected. But every now and again, some liberal on cable news will say something so stunning in its partisan stupidity that it actually takes your breath away. A perfect example is that ironically named reality check segment hosted by CNN's John Avlon. Avlon on Wednesday published, pushed the ridiculous notion that cases of coronavirus infections are spiking in the U.S. thanks to Republican governors who followed President Trump's lead in pushing to reopen the economy. Quote, Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, began Avalon, with a dramatic flair fit for a middle school play, but not their own facts. Yes, Avalon is actually paid to blurt out stale lines like this. He went on to say that cases are up across the country, but the governors who backed the Trump party lines are the ones really reaping the whirlwind. Avalon was also sure to note with grave sincerity that of the top 15 states, With the highest rates of new infections, 13 are deep in Donald Trump's base. Avalon didn't explain why the other two states, Wisconsin and Illinois, escape his indignation or what they did wrong. Perhaps the coronavirus wears a mask in those places. So that's at least doing its part. With a straight face, Avalon declared that this is what happens when ideology elbows out science. Or maybe it's what happens when a highly contagious airborne virus continues its spread. By the way, the pandemic raged for 11 months before the numbers lined up for Avalon to figure out a plausible way to blame Republicans. Where was he when New York, New Jersey and Connecticut were suffering the worst of it? Where were they when Cuomo put sick people in nursing homes, killing the elderly? Oh, I, I remember Chris Cuomo, whose brothers with the governor pulled out a giant oversized novelty Q-tip and was like, eh, my brother, the governor has got a big nose. <laughs> That's what they did. Bravo. Excellent. A plus news. And they defended it saying, hey, 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 America needs a little levity right now. Your city was aflame. Your state, for the most part, chaos. And they just sat back and waited. Now they can say, aha, Republicans, your fault. Perhaps, perhaps, but perhaps the real problem is that Democrats caused all of this in the first place. You see, Donald Trump in January launched the task force, suspended travel with exception for some people uh, from, to and from China. It was like American citizens were coming back. What are you going to do? Ban them from coming back home. And what happened with the Democrat cities? Uh, it was the Democrat cities where, where chaos erupted. Now, to be fair, you can say, yes, Tim, but New York is very, very dense. So it spread rapidly. Sure, that's right. But it was also in this city where the Democrats were like, come on down to Chinatown and have a good time and ignore the racist Donald Trump. We're going to show people not to be xenophobic. And then the city became a massive hotspot. Now, I'm not going to blame de Blasio or Cuomo on a natural disaster, a pandemic. But if they're going to come out and say it's the Republicans fault, Republicans fault, all of this is happening when for the most part, first, Republicans live in places where there's like people far away. So, no. If a Republican says they don't want to wear a mask when when there's like a statewide mandate, it's like, well, do they live in the middle of nowhere? Because then I can kind of understand that. But I do think, at least in my opinion, if I'm going to Walmart, if I'm going to Target or Shop and Save or, you know, whatever store is allowed to be open at this point, I got no problem wearing a mask. You know, it's, it's further away. I'll go there. I'll put on a mask. It's for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, not the end of the world for me. Some people just get really angry, don't want to do it. Now, I can certainly say, you know, people don't understand wearing a mask is so you don't spit when you talk. And then like it's it, so wearing a mask does help. And if people don't want to wear it, well, then, yeah, sure, we'll throw a little shade their way if the virus keeps spreading in certain areas. But guess what? It's it, it's spreading in in Democrat cities, not Republican. And maybe they're Republicans in New York who are not wearing their masks. I have to imagine many of them would probably just wear wear their masks because Republicans in New York are probably fairly moderate for the most part. No, the reality is, It started in Democrat cities when people like Cuomo had ample warning. They blamed Donald Trump. Trump should have done something about this. Trump should have done something about Seattle and New York. Those are Democrat cities. Sure, Trump did stuff, but it was up to the governors and local politicians to deal with this. And then when they screwed up, they said, well, well, we blame Trump. Cuomo, you're the governor. It's your state. De Blasio, you're the mayor. It's your city. There's no excuse for this. You can't blame Trump. The buck stops with you. It's like. You walk into a building, and there's a janitor who didn't clean up a mess, and then he goes, well, I blame the building owner. It's like, sure, the building owner does have the capacity to intervene and do something of the garbage, but you are the janitor. Better yet, it would be like if there was an apartment complex, and the dude who lived in the apartment where it's all trashed and smells like garbage was like, well, I blame the landlord. It's like, dude, that's your mess. Like, sure, you can actually take it up with a landlord if it smells bad. It's affecting other people and he can intervene. He should. But if the tenant you're the you're the person there, first and foremost, I would blame de Blasio before blaming Cuomo and I would blame Cuomo before blaming Trump. And we have seen some little bumps appear in the Sun Belt and other Republican states, but it's not been nearly as bad. And I know I can already hear the left saying, yeah, but, Tim, big cities, it's not their fault. Sure. Sure. And there were and 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 big cities saw the worst of it. That's fair. Then we can just at least say it's a population density issue, not a Republican issue. But of course, CNN had to go there, didn't they? Here's what they say. It's convenient for Avalon to skip over the first 10 months when it was solidly blue states that held the distinct honor of having the highest COVID-19 related death rate. Wait, let me double check that my mistake. That's still the case today. Yup. The top three states are New Jersey, New York and Massachusetts. Among the top 15, just to use Avalon's own random number, only five went to Trump in the 2020 election. This excludes D.C., a Democrat city, which, if we counted as a state, would currently have the ninth highest death rate in the country. Why is the spread of the virus a matter of partisanship now and not then? Because Avalon has a political point to make. Avalon's corny reality check segment is what happens when ideology elbows out science. Aha! Bravo, good sir. Eddie, is it scary or scary? Commentary writer. Good zinger at the end. Right now, the lockdowns are getting worse. And it's political. They're blaming Republicans. They're calling everyone far right. And I'll tell you what is really, you know, the way I'm starting to see it. What does it mean to be right wing? Uh, right wing basically means you oppose the establishment. That's it. Because you could be a literal socialist who opposes wokeness. And that classifies you as right wing nowadays. Okay. Okay. To be fair, I guess they could call you like dirtbag left or something. It depends on what you think is the biggest issue. If you focus predominantly on issues of social, you know, Medicare for all and things like that and say, we must figure out a way to do this, then they'll call you left. If you focus specifically on wokeness, they'll call you right. So if like 60% of the time you're talking about, you know, Medicare for all or 40% of the time you're talking about wokeness, then you're left. Invert it and you're right. Because I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm uh, absolutely in favor of Medicare for all, 100 percent. But they'll never call me left wing, will they? Conservatives certainly will. I always clarify this, though, because I try to be reasonable. I don't know how we would implement Medicare for all, especially with a country this big. I'm for it, though. One hundred percent would prefer a system where everybody is getting access to some degree. The problem I actually and and I'll put it this way. Medicare for all plus private supplemental for those who can afford it. The best of both worlds. I just don't know if it's possible. But if given the opportunity, someone said, I would like to you know, map out a plan to get there, I'd be like, for sure, for sure. But that's the name of the game. You're, you're right, depending on what your focus is, you're left otherwise. I think right now what we're seeing is that there's an establishment and the left just blindly supports it for the most part. The establishment likes the wokeness. And for some reason, you'll get leftists supporting Joe Biden, even though they campaigned against him forever. Ten years of Occupy Wall Street rhetoric. And then all of a sudden, well, I should say five years. And then it changed when Donald Trump came in. Why? Because Trump actually supported some of the complaints that Occupy Wall Street had. Occupy Wall Street didn't like these free trade agreements. Now, all of a sudden, Trump opposes it. Uh-oh, what do we do? It was very convenient for the establishment to get all of these Occupy people to just one day agree and support the absurdity. But that's what you can expect from the partisan likes of CNN or otherwise. For everybody else, I hope you're paying attention because the lockdowns are going to get worse. They're shutting down the schools. You, I hope you're getting ready for this because Biden says it's going to get bad. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all next time.